Let me know when you guys are ready. We don't have our intro music. Oh, good. We'll put that in later. I am R-E-A-D-Y. Ready, ready. All right. Three, two, one. Here we are. Beth Thomas, how are you? Hey, hey. Good to see you again. Um, Good to see you. Welcome, welcome to the landed the landed podcast. And uh, uh, Dave's here with me as well. Dave. Good afternoon. All right, fantastic. So, I'm sorry. I said so formal. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm, we're gonna loosen it up here a little <laughs> bit. It's all right. So, um, so Beth, I've known you long time. A long time. Um, can I tell the story about when I first met you? Because it's um, yeah, because it absolutely. was kind of a pivotal moment in my life, and I know for you, it's probably no big deal. <laughs> um, but it was really funny. So, uh, back at the beginning of my career, so this is probably like the late '90s or something like that, and uh, I, I was in uh, training and development, and uh, Beth was running probably, I would say at the time, probably a pretty darn innovative training function over to L Brands. And um, I'd heard about it, and somehow I got connected over there um, through a mutual friend. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what I really wanted to go over there and talk about was, like, how do I become you? (laughs) And I was, like, a total wimp about it. (laughs) And uh, so I show up, and Beth's kind of looking through, you know, all the open roles she has. And she's like, well, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do this? And I'm just sitting there like, no, no, I kind of want to be you. But I didn't say that. And so finally, Beth looks at me. She's like, hey, I got a little advice for you. The next time you get a meeting like this, know what you want. <laughs> I was like, OK, OK. Uh, and, and I took that with me for the uh, for the rest of my life. For th- Thanks for that, Beth. I mean, we're, we're good friends now, but, you, yeah. you know, you kind of crushed me that day. But it was a good it was a good uh, it was a good learning experience. It sounds so mean. No, 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 no. definitely You're the not. best. Um, all right, so Beth, uh, just for anybody who's going to be listening, so your background, um, you know, dates back to L Brands, right? Training yeah, you know, I was so passionate about learning and development, and I'll never forget when I was lucky enough to take on all learning and development for all limited brands through Y2K, which was pivotal, pivotal in my own career. Um, I'll never forget Fast Company came in and did a whole spread on what we did at the limited and called me the queen of training and did all this i got 600 emails from across the world from people saying how did you do what you did do you have an advanced degree just all these questions and i answered every single one of them number one but i also said to them this is not about your education this is about your passion and if you follow what you're passionate about, you're going to be good at it. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that so many people want to go and try to find that passion in a four-year educational experience or even, you know, I think you have to try before you buy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So it is all about right. your experience and seeing what you love. Yeah. And, you know, some then, people figure that out earlier than others. Yeah. Like Dave and I figured it out really late. Mm-hmm. Right, so Dave. Well, no, I, I always knew. I was just too scared to. That's pursue. true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, yeah, me as I'm well. Still scared. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Don't look scared. Well, I mean, it's it, it is it is really important. I mean, even even for myself, like uh, you know, ever since I was a kid, like I like to build things. That's always been my thing, kind of innovation, building, making them real, and you know, you can find yourself caught in a job that is everything but that. And, um, you know, you get so sucked into it sometimes that you don't realize you're unhappy Mm. until you get out of it. Or sometimes you go, like when I was at J.P. Morgan, and you go into a situation where you have a great title, great income, 
but it's absolutely such a hard environment to be in and you become so unhappy. But I know a lot of my colleagues and peers, they had those golden handcuffs. They started living up to their income and then they couldn't walk away. Right. And it's like, it's like being in jail. Like it is, it is truly golden handcuffs. It's a trap. Well, and a lot of people are probably being told what their purpose and passion is along the way. They're just not listening. You know, my, for example, my mom always would tell me, Dave, you're either going to be a, an architect because I used to play with these Legos and create these really cool things as a kid or a lawyer because you always have an example to talk back to me and, and try to prove yourself right. Yeah. Um, and then I, for me, I realized as I looked back and reflected on my youth, you know, I used to go in the summer times to the lake where all the high school kids would go and hang out and I'd find myself up at the basketball court watching other players play, trying to recruit them to my high school to win a state championship. So I was already in that mode of influencing people and, and looking at things differently. I just didn't know that. I mean, I would, I'd actually follow a kid home and say, hey, let's play Atari. I'd hang out with them, play Atari for a little bit, and then I'd be in the kitchen with the parents trying to recruit the parents to bring their son to our high school because I was so passionate about winning and winning a state championship. Yeah. But here I am 20-plus years later, 30-plus years later, and I've been in recruiting my whole career. Yeah. Right? So I was doing things that, that kind of focused on my passion. I just didn't know. Yeah, that's that's I mean, that's a that's a good point. And, and, you know, just the fact that you can sometimes get stuck. Um, mm-hmm. Dave and I have conversations with people all the time. Um, I, I mean, we had one the other day with uh, with a guy who um, it was so evident what he loved to do. But he was afraid. Yeah, he was afraid to pursue it, because if you do, then you know, maybe you don't make the same amount of money, you know, right. maybe, maybe the, the maybe, thing. maybe the title is no longer there yeah. and that bothers you and, um, you know, benefits for sure. That's, that's real. But so many of the things are just superficial excuses, right? But, mm-hmm. but you're so trapped into it and you're told by society that they're important. Mm-hmm. And so you, you stick with it. And, and sometimes it just takes getting out, uh, to see things clearly. I know that's what happened to me. Or have a plan. Like he just didn't have a plan. He didn't right. know how to self start. For him, it, it made sense to go out and be a chef, mm-hmm. but the idea of starting and having a website and having branding materials and having a concept, mm-hmm. it was just, he didn't know how to do that. Right. Some people aren't self-starters. Right. And, you know, when you, when I talk to a lot of folks that are in the in-between of, I'm not sure what I want to do next, no matter how old they are, I right. said, listen, don't consider your skills. Um, what you should consider is make sure that you're looking at what would a perfect job scenario look like. So it's not just about what you're good at, but what you're passionate about, what drives you. And it's things like nobody thinks about the culture, who you're going to work for, mm-hmm. what's the environment, how long's your commute, what what type of people are working there, what do they say about it? Do your research and make sure that you're interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you. And I know the way that I got my job into consulting is I basically went around to the companies that I wanted to work for. I called up the heads of HR, had dinner with each of them to find out what roles or responsibilities could I be a fit for? Mm-hmm. And that's really how I did it. I went after the opportunity and created that perfect job scenario. Yeah, yeah. And they probably couldn't resist that wheel and feeling. <laughs> Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Well, well, let me ask but, you a question, guys. Yeah. yeah. A lot of us are talking about coaching people into a purpose and passion and what mm-hmm. it would take to get to that point. But the reason why they don't is usually because they're afraid of the failure side. So what do you do for individuals that helping them understand that when failure does happen, because it's likely going to, mm-hmm. 
how do you react to that? What, what are the tools, the thought processes and things around failure that you would give advice to somebody on? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. I was going to say, that's a great question. You know, one of the things that you can't just go for passion and jump off a cliff without a plan. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't want to go into something without making sure that you're not going to harm your family Mm -hmm. or your, you know, way of living. We can certainly say, okay, I'm going to go out to dinner maybe once a month rather than once every few days. But I think it's creating a plan and to see what your tolerance is. Mm-hmm. And also having a plan before you make that leap. Maybe like say you wanna go in consulting, don't make the leap until you actually have a consulting gig that might be six months or so and make sure that you have a plan around it. Mm-hmm. But it can't just be you know, passion and purposeful, sure. but right. it has to be with a plan. Yeah. Yeah, it has to be executable, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you know, uh, Dave, to, to answer your question, um, you know, when I, when I talk to people about, you know, following their, their purpose and passion, um, even if, even if they're going, trying to get into another corporate yeah. job, I mean, my argument is always, man, if you're in the wrong job, you stick out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth, to your point, you know, if, if you value a collaborative environment and that environment is very, you know, individualistic, right. um, you, you're not going to fit. Like you're not yeah. going to be happy. And so, it's interesting that you know you talk about your career and you've had some big wins, probably because you were in the right place and you did your diligence and it matched up with what you love to do. Mm-hmm. But the second, you know, you kind of deviate from that and wind up in the wrong environment, it all goes bad. Right, and, and that's why I say you have to interview them as much as they're interviewing yeah. you because even if you have a boss that is a micromanager, that could be the difference between a happy environment for you mm-hmm. and a really unhappy environment mm-hmm. for you. So really, there's so many questions you have to come up with, and that's why doing that research around what is the perfect job scenario, what's the culture where you will thrive, right? And yeah. not just survive, mm-hmm. but you will thrive and make sure that it's something that you can be very successful. Because mm-hmm. like we've all said, I mean, in order to be successful, you really have to be yeah. passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, and Beth, you've hired a lot of people. A lot. Um, and you know, your new organization change for growth. I mean, I just being out in the marketplace, like yep. everybody's knocking on your door. Yeah. And in fact, they know that I know you, so they knock on my door, yeah. so I can knock on your door. Yeah. Um, but I love uh, it. But I mean, do you see it when you're talking to people who potentially want to work for you? Like, do you see the people who are truly like connecting their passion with what you're doing at Change for Growth? And do you sometimes see the disconnect? Like it's just a job. Absolutely. You know, there will be some people that will send me a note via an email through our website. It'll just be like, I want to work for Change for Growth just because you guys are cool. You have a great presence and I'm very passionate about what you serve and who you serve and what, what you service. Um, but then I get people who come in that are very kind of mundane and want to go through the resume. And, you know, I even asked a person today and I'm like, what do you do for fun? Cause it was just so monotone and I just couldn't get the personality, right. you know, out of that person. And then I hired somebody that basically had no experience in what we do, but she was so passionate about it. Right. Now she's one of our growth associates, which is who we invest in as an entry level position. And, uh, you know, I'm looking for attitude first and then skills second, because at the end of the day, I can always train them on the skill. I can't train them on their personality, their right. passion, or how they're going to delight our customers, right. which is what it's all about. Right. And I mean, you see, you see some organizations that 
um, are just full of people who are passionate about what that organization is yeah. doing. Like, for example, I've been inside Nationwide Children's Hospital before. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, that's an outstanding culture because every single person there is on the same page with what they're passionate about. And yeah. that's helping, you know, children, right, who are um, ill. And uh, and so, yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic. So, Dave, what about yourself? I mean, Dave, Dave you were in talent acquisition forever and ever. So how, how did you really go after that and yeah, for me, talent acquisition was just the vehicle. It was the opportunity to be introduced to people and their passions and how do we support those passions. Um, I wanted every position that I held with the, the lens of how can we do this different than what's expected. Um, that's just my own personal uh, mantra, which is challenging the norm. Who said, what if, why not, how come? And so my passion for a lot of reasons was around getting people to know who they are. And the first time I realized that was probably the first strength finders test I took um, in 2007 at Cardinal Health. And I'd always been told I was the idea guy, but I didn't know what that meant yeah. until I took strength finders. And here it says my number one strength is ideation. And it kind of pulled all that together for me to say, that's what I do really well. I look at things differently. Sometimes they're crazy ideas. Sometimes it's just an opportunity right. for everybody in the room to think a little bit different. So within town acquisition, um, it's connecting. You know, I, I, tell, I say all the time, recruiting is dating. It's the same as real estate. You're just bringing two parties together to see if there's a unification there. Mm -hmm. And as I, again, if I look back to my youth, I was always the guy right. that would bring all the friends together on a Friday night to figure mm -hmm. out where we were going cruising, where we were eating pizza at, <laughs> what party were we going to hang out at. Same thing in college. Where was I going to go for spring break? Everybody would say, Dave, what, where are we going? So I've always been that connector and, and uh, individual to allow just, you know, people to, to think differently and, and, and unite, whether it's about a job, whether it's about a sport or whether it's about just social activities. Yeah, and that's a good jumping off point, Beth. This is the um, psychoanalysis portion of, <laughs> mm -hmm. of our discussion. So, um, I mean, I want to dig into kind of your because I agree with you. I mean, you, you kind of know early on. Um, what you love to do. I mean, it comes out when you're a kid, for certain. Mm -hmm. um, but then we get kind of sucked into maybe the wrong situations to pay bills and things. So um, so we're, here we are. We're in West Virginia. We're in Wheeling. Um, and Beth was cheerleader. <laughs> JT was... Was he the was he the football was he yeah, the quarterback? He totally was. That is so he cliche. Was, it's no, unbelievable. I, but here's the funny thing <laughs> is oh my, everybody is like... everybody thinks I was the cheerleader, but I couldn't even do a cartwheel. Oh, I was the president of the senior on seniors on spirit club, but JT was captain of the football team. There we oh, go. The seniors go. on spirit club. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So I was always. All right. So so leaders. so so there you are. You're 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 in wheeling. So what what did you like? What did you love to do when you were younger? And how did that translate later in life? You know, it's really funny. I'm, I'm very similar to Dave. So I was always that connector as well. But I think I found out, and it wasn't probably that long ago, maybe 10 years ago, and I was sitting actually at church and I was looking at what my spiritual gift was, which I thought was helping people. And I started thinking about, oh my gosh, that is what I love to do, not only personally, but professionally. So when I can make people laugh, when I could make them smile or, you know, take their um, sadness and help make them happy. All of those things really drove me. And I was always the one at school that wanted to be the popular one. And if anybody was mad at me, I'd get really upset. And I remember my mom saying, not everyone's going to like you. And it's their problem, not yours. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> right on, mom. Wait, so you said spirit. Do you have a spirit animal then too? 
a spirit animal? Yeah. Oh, no, like spirit fingers? Yeah, or... Well, no, just like what's the animal that represents you? I got to guess like a hyena. You said to make everybody laugh. Yeah, I guess so. I never even thought about that. Like what's, never even heard What about of you, Chris? Yeah, Do you have a spirit hi, animal? Hi, hyenas animal. are kind of like, they're kind of nasty animals. They're crazy. And they kind of slobber a lot. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and so they, thanks, they're sort Dave. of scavengers. I was yeah. just thinking laugh. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Um, great. We invite Beth here. She comes all the way here. She's <laughs> got a trip. She's a trip to London tomorrow, and you compare her to a hyena. <laughs> what a guy. I owed you that, by the way, because right, you threw me out under the bus. What's that? Unicorn. U- unicorn. Mm-hmm. She's unique. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, what about you, Dave? What spirit animal are you? I'm a, I'm a hawk. Okay. And please connect that. I fly high above looking for opportunity. And when I see opportunity, I strike. Okay. Mm. How about that? Yeah. What about you? I That's like the worst interview something. answer ever. <laughs> what are you, a donkey? <laughs> uh, yeah. If you ask, if you ask my if you ask my wife, she would agree with you completely. Um, uh, no, I mean, like you know, probably you know something that builds, right? Like an ant, right? Or something that 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 creates and builds. I mean, that that's my thing. It always has been since I was literally very young. I just um, I have ideas, or I like. You know, somebody else has a really cool idea and just making it real, mm-hmm. making it happen, figuring out how to make it happen. That's just my thing. Mm-hmm. And it's funny it, it, that that was with me all the way through my career. And I remember when I was at Cardinal, it was a big benefit to them because we were going through a massive HR transformation. And I was just innovating the whole way through. And um, it was great. And then when things became really operational, it wasn't great anymore. Yeah. And it was just no longer a fit. Yeah. Um, and you know, it, it took me, you know, being outside to kind of look back and say, I get it. Yeah. Right. That's the reason it's just, it it wasn't a match. You know, what's interesting as you're Chris, as you're explaining yourself that when we talk to people who are in corporate careers and you ask them the question, tell me about yourself. Right. They explain their career. Totally. When you talk to an entrepreneur and you say, tell me about yourself, they explain everything that the three of us just described. Right. It has nothing to do with their career. It's about all the other things around that. Right. Which is. You know, interesting that because oh, people yeah. that are in the corp they can't see above and beyond the script yeah and also they they define themselves as that position yes. Mm-hmm. and yes. that's when you get really you know especially when you lose your position or you get downsized or whatever right. i mean people go into the valley of despair right oh, yeah. because it is all about like i lost my identity right i wrap my entire identity around that job mm-hmm. and you know that's another thing where i coach folks i'm like listen it's a job it pays the bills. Right. I'm not saying you don't have to love it because you you know loving it is so much better than not right. loving it. Right. Then it's it. not a job. But but if you look at it as just a part of your life, but not all of your life, you're yeah. going to protect yourself in the future. Yeah. I mean that's a good point. I mean if if you're able to if your job doesn't feel like a job, that's kind of like the holy grail, right? Totally. Um, and you can achieve that in a corporate environment. I did. I, yeah. I did. I did as well. Yeah. Um, at, you know, at certain points in my career. Um, but you know, you're, you're right. It's, it's, it is the identity that is tied to the position. And when we, when we work with, um, clients and we say, all right, so where's this all going? And they immediately jump into, you know, I want to do this job. And we're like, whoa, 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 wait, let's take a step back and let's talk about what you really want to do. Um, and who you are and what makes you tick. And, um, but yeah, it's, it is, well, it well, is even with people that are in jobs too, when you ask them the question, like, how's work? It's always like, Oh, I'm working 60 hour weeks right now. 
never hear an entrepreneur say, no, hey, I hey, hey, how's, how's your how's your gig going? It's always about what's upcoming and what could right. be. Like, oh, I'm still trying to figure right. out this. It's never, oh, I'm working 60-hour weeks because nobody cares. But, but yeah. Go ahead, Beth. No, I was just going to say, you know what I find so interesting is that we are at the highest point of unhappiness at work. It is like between 45 and 75% right, right. of people are unhappy at work. What I find so interesting is companies do these employee engagement surveys, and that came out probably a dozen years ago, right? right? Yeah. The, the unhappiness at work is going up, right. and they have been doing this. You know why? They're not focusing on the right things. Mm-hmm. So they go and they do the employee engagement surveys, mm-hmm. and that's why I think a lot of people have no idea what makes them happy at work. And companies don't have any idea what makes people happy at work. Yeah. And having you know more of a custom program on, mm-hmm. you know, hey, Chris might just wanna leave every Friday at three o'clock to go to happy hour, but Dave wants a raise mm-hmm. once a year. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's different. I just saw a statistic the other day that said 70% of people would rather work for a great boss than get a pay raise. I believe that. And I could not agree more. Yeah, because it has a value. Because 80% of people leave their boss, not their company. Right. Right? Bosses can make your jobs miserable. Right. Even if you are passionate about it. Yeah, and Dave, I want to unpack one thing that you you said earlier about entrepreneurs. He's been talking about entrepreneurs and people who work in corporate America. Um, The reason I think entrepreneurs, you know, it doesn't feel like a job. And like, yeah, I work 60 hours, but it doesn't feel like it is because I think in order to be an entrepreneur, you're following something you're passionate about. Right. Like, I don't know any entrepreneurs who are doing something and hate they it. they hate it. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's number one. But I think, and so I, I think my point there is that you can achieve the same kind of happiness, right, um, in a corporate role if you're just doing yeah. the right thing. And it's just unconventional. You talk about um, employee engagement surveys. The other thing that, or just being within corporations, yeah. I... And I bought into this hook, line, and sinker for a long time. You know, people would say people need to connect to the vi- they need to connect what they're doing to the vision right. of the company and the mission of the company. And you know what I say? Bull. That's not right. That's not accurate. Really, and you talk about not asking the right questions. You need to connect your work to something you love to do, and the rest takes care of itself, mm-hmm. in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, I think it's funny when it comes to the performance engagement surveys. They do them once a year. And they're expecting to get a response on 12 months. Like when we go to a restaurant or we get take Uber, you're asked the survey in the moment. Immediately. Right? Immediately. Yeah. And I think right. that's changing. Well, but I, th- I think it'd be interesting that almost like the punch cards back in the day to mm-hmm. leave work, you know, the whole Flintstones, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. stick it, that before Time you clocks. exit, when you, when you clock out, it's rate your day because now it's in the moment. And then it's a right. cumulative yeah. of 300 days yeah. of the year yeah. of, okay, it actually was a 4.2 average. Yep. Just like the happy, yeah, uh, that's it. The happy faces yes. that you hit that's in it. the restrooms yeah. in the airports, yeah. right? I, 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 I mean, they, they're doing that. I mean, some companies are doing that, right? Because you recognize that one time a year is ridiculous, right? You're reacting to one point in time. It's well, actually when the pizza more parties come out right before the surveys, right? Oh yeah. Oh right, right, right. Jeans day right. and pizza. Well, it's so true, and it would, and it would, it would actually, it would actually guide business decisions at a very highly strategic level in the organization yeah. like people wouldn't do necessary reorganizations because the, the survey was coming up yep. so oh, you yeah. just lost time right, right. You, i mean and I, I mean i saw that happen all the time real decisions were were delayed mm-hmm. uh, because of the survey but i also see where you know hr makes the big mistake of 
creating the programs, the reward programs and the engagement programs in a silo mm -hmm. and don't ask the people who they're trying to engage and trying to make happy, like what would actually make you happy right. today? Right before I came, um, we have a happiness committee. And so it is a group of folks that's talk about what are the things that help engage our associates. Now, I believe so much of it is about you do what you love, number one, um, but also how do you like to be rewarded and recognized mm -hmm. and valued? And so they were talking about we had an event. We do have an event every single month. Some of it's philanthropic. You know, I do mm -hmm. believe people, especially the millennials, want to be connected to the values mm -hmm. of the company. But, you know, we had something every single month. It was a happy hour one month and then feeding at the Ronald McDonald House, um, the guests there. And then it was Habitat for Humanity. Mm -hmm. So all these things. And then we actually got to a point where they were like, well, Beth, we actually have too many events. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a happy hour. And it's like Christmas in July. And it's right. so fun. And da, da, da. And they said, can get our yeah, work but, done. but like we don't really need that and i said listen guys you are the ones i'm trying to make happy mm -hmm. so if you tell me yep. so that's what i'm saying you got to ask at mm -hmm. the end of the day just like my favorite um my favorite coaching piece of advice to employees is say go to your boss and say if in six months you would come back to me and say beth you've done an amazing job what would i have accomplished and then that gives you a roadmap to what success looks like you do the same things with your employees you know what, in six months, you were to come back and say, this is the best place that I've ever worked. Mm -hmm. Explain that to me, mm -hmm. you know, talk to like me that. about like, how does it feel when you come in? What's the brand that we are representing? Right, right. And that's the kind of people you have to hire because at the end of the day, you start hiring the negative, the toxic people, and you are creating that environment that's gonna hmm. I like it. Yeah, hurt yeah, people. me too, me too. I like so, that a lot. So another question for you guys. Mm-hmm we're talking about purpose and passion, but yet I don't know if we've defined that. Like, I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on what's I, the difference. I thought you were going to ask us if we were a solid liquid or a gas, what would it be and why? <laughs> uh, we're not going to answer that. You can't even figure out yeah. what your spirit animal is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, all right. So pur purpose, passion. I mean, it's what drives you. Um, it's what you were born to do. And which, I, which one is your purpose? I think so, because we're I, saying two okay. words. So what's the when we say purpose, passion, I don't think they're the same. No, things. no, they're definitely not. So, so what's I'm the gonna... difference between the two words? I think purpose is what you were meant to do. Yeah. And passion is more about what you enjoy doing. Right. Okay. And and but I think that getting those I think they run together, though. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think people I are too. passionate about if you're do if you are actually fulfilling your purpose, you're passionate about it. Like that's. That's the great combination. Like if you can hit that, if you if you if you are fortunate in life to be actually getting paid to fulfill your purpose, yeah, um, it's amazing. And you can't stop looking until you find it. I can't tell you how many people that are miserable at work, and I said, why? Yeah. Go find another freaking job. Right. It's two percent unemployment. Right. You know, don't be lazy. If you're going to be lazy enough to be, you know, unhappy in your job then shame on you because there's so much opportunity out there, especially now, just get up and go, you know create what we, a plan. You know what we find though, Beth? Um, it's, it's interesting you said that. So a, as you know, part of, part of our business is we help people in those situations, right. you know, go to market the right way, right. Find execute an effective passion. job search, right? And yeah, find their passion, but execute the job search all the way to the end in an efficient, mm -hmm. an efficient way and a methodical way. And, um, 
what what we find is that job searches are just so abhorrent to people um, mm. for people like yeah, they just right. they don't like putting themselves out there yeah. they don't necessarily know what they're doing they rejection don't know all the rules hurts. the rejections killer yeah. um, and you know I mean we've talked to a million job candidates at this point and most of them say that the experience overall is very negative. Oh my gosh. And it doesn't matter what level. I will have CEO candidates say nobody ever gets back to me. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it blows my mind how, you right. know, but in their defense, not CEOs certainly, but they may be getting a thousand mm-hmm. resumes per applicant, you know, yeah, exactly. per job. Exactly. Or, um, so, I mean, I think it, it is tough, but I think it's terrible. Mm-hmm. It is a terrible process. There's got to be a better way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly how Dave and I came together. We just said, ah, this just has to be better. Yeah. Um, but let, let me uh, ask you guys a question. Mm-hmm. So let's flip it on the other side and give maybe the listeners a little bit of advice. You know, you're hot. You've both been hiring executives. Mm-hmm. I've been hiring executives. What is the best advice you give people when they are interviewing? I got it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I tell people all the time that the typi- typically, yeah, the hawk is has landed <laughs> l-a-n-d-i-d little, pl- little plug for us there you go um the first thing i tell people is that nine times out of ten the person you're interviewing with is just as nervous to interview you as you particularly are with them mm-hmm. because it's not what they do every day mm-hmm. their job maybe as a product manager or in accounting or finance they're not professional interviewers so understand that that sometimes as an interviewee you need to coach the interview and the interviewer to the place that you want this conversation to go because you only have a certain amount of time. Right. And the second thing I tell them is that when you get into the first five minutes of that conversation, because the interviewer is typically nervous, they talk a lot. Mm -hmm. And most interviews are 30 to 45 minutes. So to get your story out within the right amount of time, you need to set the framework of your conversation to get dialed into the key points Mm -hmm. as quick as possible. So Whenever that person finally shuts up, when they do the, right. this is the, our company, this is the job, this is why I love it here, you need to jump in quick. And this isn't a sexy question, but it's an important one. And ask right away, well, what are the expectations of the job? Right. Most interviewees ask that at the end of the interview, and it's too late to rebuttal. Yes. So know right or away. Or sell yourself right. against the expectations. Exactly. Yeah. So you know what those things are yeah. in the beginning, and then begin to tell your story, story. against yeah. those. Yeah. And be prepared with those key messages, mm-hmm. you know, the key points, especially because if they try to over you know speak Mm -hmm. the conversation um and take it over that's when you want to be able to yeah i'll answer i'll answer that too um and and of course i'm not smart enough to learn from other people's mistakes i just have to repeatedly burn burn my own hand on the stuff i've learned that about you yeah (laughs) so um but i i learn um so i i mean this is personal um uh, account so i was uh interviewing for um sea level job and uh um you know, I, I was I was being prepped for it. Um, you know, I practiced all my answers and stories and things that I wanted to you know bring forward in the interview. And I even did research on the company, like deep research, figure out what their biggest opportunities were. And I came with you know real relevant things to talk about. And um, I show up in the interview and I just nail every answer, I everything. I am just on point with everything. It's perfect. And I got bounced like immediately. And I'll never forget the um, recruiter's advice to me because it, it was sage advice. And he said, he said, I think he said, dude, he's like, dude, <laughs> um, listen, the fact that you were there in the interviews means you're qualified. Yep. Everybody already knew that. 
and you're selling hard. You're selling your qualifications. Everybody knew that. What they wanted to know is, do you fit? Yep. And can they see themselves working with you? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, my God. And That's were right. you too much of a nerd, or I mean, why? No, did they I was. I was. It was. It was. It was robotic, right? I mean, it was. It wasn't. You just um, weren't able to like build that. It yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't authentic it was, or real. It was right. Right. Yeah. It, it wasn't. It the wasn't real as conversation. Chris wasn't able to yeah. come through. and that's what he told me. He's like, yeah. they, he he said, look, everybody knows your accomplishments. Nobody knows you. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really good advice. So that yeah. I I give that to other people today, which is if you're showing up for the interview, just you're know you're in. qualified. Yeah. And um and then make it about fit. Yes. They will ask you questions right. if they want to know about your knowledge, skills, and right. abilities. Some of the things I tell folks is. You know, you have to go in with the right attitude and act like this is the job you want. Right. Even sometimes if it's not, because you can always say no mm-hmm. right. at the end of the day. But going in Get with that passion, your excitement, and really showing them that this is something you want as a hiring director, I'd be like, I'm going to pick you all day long right. because they really want this because you know they're going to give that discretionary effort. When I was at The Limited, I, I remember I had two Katie's that were – Um, applying for an instructional designer role and they both had the same qualifications but I picked one over the other because when she talked about training she lit up her dimples got deeper and she got so excited and I was like that is exactly who I want and it was real it was so real and um, you know my condolences to Katie number two if you're out there (laughs) listening (laughs) (laughs) You were probably in the wrong profession, Katie, number two. Hopefully you found something else that <laughs> she was good too. serves your purpose and passion. Um, She's so going to know who it is. Yeah. So, um, so, so Beth, what, what other, I mean, since we've kind of, we've kind of worked our way around different topics, which is great, right? Yeah. We'll just, we'll just cut yeah. it up. And I, th- I think there's some pretty valuable nuggets in there. And uh, I mean, when you are, um, when you are interviewing people, mm-hmm. um, what, what are the things that just turn you off as a I'm hiring manager? I'm so glad you asked that because I think one of the things that we need to hit on that we haven't yet is um, negativity, ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I tell people, and people can recite this all day long about me, if you are the most credible candidate, if you are the most pedigreed candidate, if you can move the ball down the field faster than anybody else, but your negative, toxic, or your ego is too big. There is not a place for you on my team. How does that ever. show up? Like, so like, so give, you give can an tell if they have an edge. Like, first of all, um, I think when they're overselling what they do and talking about kind of almost being elitist about it, um, we really ask a lot of questions on, about the other side of the report card, right? I want to know, are you going to be able to delight my customers? Are you going to have great customer service skills and that's the other side of the report card like i said that you can't teach Mm -hmm. so asking them the right questions and just watching their mannerisms watching um how tense they get talk about what is was some feedback that's ever come back about you if there is any hint of someone be having an edge, I call mm-hmm. it. I won't hire them. Mm-hmm. Or, or you know, the, the or real, overly the, confident. The question where that seems to come out a lot is when you ask somebody why they're looking, mm-hmm. and they yeah. answer that question because they right. usually a, a lot of people will chuck their companies under the bus, and that's yeah. bad, bad, well, bad. One of the, one of the things I try to coach candidates on too is 
ask questions after questions because it creates a two-way right. dialogue. Yes. So, you know, a lot of companies like to ask behavioral-based questions, which nobody really enjoys. But you get a question around change. You know, tell me about a time how much you've dealt with change. How did you manage that change, et cetera? Once you've responded, return a question back to the interviewer by saying, so you've asked about change. Is there currently change happening within the company? And if so, what is it? Because now you're allowing that person to talk back with you and now you're creating comfort in the conversation. Mm -hmm. So now it's not about opportunities to create ego. It's about, look, we can talk. And I know you want to know if we can hang out for 40 hours every week in a job together. As you can tell right here in this interview, we're having a conversation. And then once they respond, then you can layer in the, I'm glad you said that because I dealt with change too at my organization. And and this is what I did. And this is... Because now we're talking about imagery. Now you're giving the interviewer an opportunity to see you in the job, in the life in which they're, they're, they're existing right. today. Right. So just another opportunity to think about how you can create comfort in that conversation. Hey, Beth, another, yeah, another, um, yeah, it, it, it definitely is. Um, another question for you. So the, the talent that you hire mm-hmm. in your organization, how do they get to you so what what percentage of them would you say just applied for a role online and somebody screened the resume and said yeah let's bring this person in versus dave said hey beth you got to talk to this person right or chris says hey you got to meet this person like what's the breakdown there so great question i would say it's 60 percent of us going after the talent maybe Mm -hmm. even a little higher and 30, 40% of people coming to us through our ads, because right. we put ads on LinkedIn mm-hmm. or through our website. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's usually somebody who knows somebody. Right. Because, you know, at the end of the day, our talent at Change for Growth is really who represents our company mm-hmm. and whether we're going to get asked back or stay within the company. So our people are our most important assets. And I know that sounds cliche, but I really, really mean it. Mm-hmm. So how they represent um, C4G is critically important to us. And that's you know follows our motto, which is we lead with our values, we delight our customers, and we have fun. So everybody that I hire, we put those lens on. Like, are they an ethical person? You know, deal with them. Deal with them matters in a, in a high integrity fashion. Do they like to have fun? Is it somebody I'd like to go have a glass of wine with? Mm-hmm. Right. You know, because honestly, they have to be likable. Right. Because if they aren't, and even if they are really smart, my clients still probably won't like you. Right. Even if you're getting the job done. And by the way, I've hung out with her whole staff, and they're so wine drinking is actually on the job description. I've <laughs> yeah. seen it. I've seen it firsthand. For sure. So, so Beth, I know we're, we're um, kind of coming to the end of our time, but I just wanted to, um, how's your business doing? Uh, you guys made a big announcement recently, moved, yeah. out, moved out to London. You have an office in London right yeah, now? Yeah, so our business um, has grown 40% in the first year, nice. so really proud about that. Um, and we had 100% customer satisfaction, and we have gone international. So we have um, built an office in London, and um, we got our first deal already, which is pretty substantial, nice. and I'm very excited about it. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, what makes me happy and passionate with a big purpose is having our clients be happy with the work that we do right. as well as our employees being engaged. And that's the only two things that will really rattle me as a CEO and entrepreneur is, you know, if our clients are upset with us absolutely, um, or if our, if my folks are upset. Now, two things, two of the things I'm most proud about, I think if you asked any of our clients, you know, if anything did go off course. I will jump in and make sure it gets back on course mm-hmm. immediately, number one. And I don't think anybody really ever left 
our company that didn't like it. You know, they weren't leaving for another, you know, opportunity like in Colorado and um, different things. So that's so that's you're actually living two things the, I'm proud about. the title of your company, Change yeah. for Growth. So yeah. are you performing in that change management as you guys grow to London? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's if you think about all of our offerings, everything is, you know, leadership for growth, mm-hmm. training for growth, employee engagement for growth, or culture for growth. And change management, obviously, is our um, cornerstone right. um, in transformational change, and, and that's definitely what brought us to Right. London. And you have a great team, by the way. I, Thank and you. Dave, I don't, I don't know if you've had an opportunity to really uh, interact with the staff over at Change not. for Growth. They're just... They're just they they are a true cohesive unit and um, in many ways are cut from the same cloth right yeah. in terms of I mean there's a lot of diversity there but um, but just cut from the same cloth and that they all kind of have each other's backs it's it's uh, it's a good environment but that is very intentional oh in yeah how absolutely. we hire and that goes back to our entire conversation it is about the people that you hire because you can't train those skills mm-hmm. you know so we have to really hire for the person and build the skills around them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I was curious because so many companies, their identity is it's their service, like your change for growth, but right. then internally they can't perform it themselves. Like some recruiting organizations, right. they can recruit for other companies, but they can't hire their own people appropriately. Right. Or they're an executive leadership company and their leadership stinks, right? right? But they do it for other companies. It never make, it always, I'm always curious about that. Or you that. do employee right. engagement and, you know, our employee engagement stinks or <laughs> our culture stinks. Or worse, worse, you have a CEO who wrote a book about being happy at work and then nobody is. Happy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which brings me, I was going to ask you about, like, is, how's the book, is the book still doing well? Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, it is timeless. If you think about, you know, people being happy at work, all of the things and the tips and the tricks mm-hmm. in the book are never going to get old they're always going to be relevant and i think with the epidemic of unhappiness at work um powered by happy is is absolutely still relevant and mm-hmm. um has been more and more adopted by companies because not only if you buy the folks the book the company is saying we want you to be happy and we want to invest in your development mm-hmm. around being happy and so i've done a ton of Powered by Happy workshops for for companies all over the world. And it's been so fun because Mm -hmm. it really is something that executives are very much concerned about, especially with the low unemployment. Yeah. And and losing people, right? Yeah. And then Beth needs to take a plane like to a desert island when she's sad, right? Yeah. So, so nobody can see it like, oh, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, although if you ask my husband, somebody asked him one day, he said, is Beth always that happy? And he's like, annoyingly so. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was so. in charge of the Spirit Senior Group. Yeah, that's yeah, true. That's, that's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. So you're, 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 you're absolutely consistent. But it's a great book. Um, Dave, you got to check it out. It's um, a, lot, a lot of very, oh, right. Hmm? A lot of very good points and um i especially like that it was personal right yeah and you, you kind of went there you put yourself out there a little yeah. bit so um it, it, it resonated with me all right so we are at the end of our time yep beth Been that fun. Was fun. hey hey you you are like really really articulate and um very upbeat for a hyena <laughs> and Oh and, my God. Uh, I think I want to take that back. Well, wait a minute. I didn't even tell you that's what I am. Maybe I'm a horse because it's like therapy kind. Uh, makes people happy. Wilbur. Hey, yeah. It's better than a hyena. <laughs> so uh, at any rate, hey, listen, thank you for your time. I know that oh my gosh, you're, you're, leaving, you're leaving on a plane first thing tomorrow yeah. morning to go overseas. So we really appreciate you taking the time to come out here and speak with us. And uh, Dave, always good. Yep. 
Thank and, you, guys. And uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Bye. Thank you. We're out. That was good. <laughs>